Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and this is Jonathan Starkey, and I am your host of that digital pub called Jeshire Matters. And this evening's edition is the 4th of June. I would have liked to have said the 4th of July, but we're going to be talking about more about something like that on the next show. Anyway, a lot's been happening, as I normally say. So I'm just going to get straight to it, and I'm going to say, Statsman, are you there, sir? Hello, Jonathan. Hello, gentlemen. And hello to all our lovely listeners out there. Oh, and that man, that man, that slender person called the gazelle. Are you there, sir? I certainly am, Jonathan, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And here he is, Captain Courageous, Captain Cod, (laughs) Captain Birdseye. What other other captain could we call him? Mr. Steve Ingram, are you there, sir? I am, gentlemen. Good evening, Cheshire. Hope you're having a great week. Well, I hope I hope everybody's having a great week as well. Right, well, we're just going to get straight into the program straight away. And uh, again, first subject, it's got to be something that everybody should question. I mean, what the heck is going on? Steve, you're going to lead on this. This is about the Metropolitan Police Chief who's calling for the force to favour ethnic minority recruits. Go ahead, Steve. Yes, I find this quite shocking, actually. Um, Priti Patel has uh, basically slammed the Met Police Chief, Cressida Dick, as she calls for a law change to favour ethnic minority candidates over white applicants who are of equal standing and application qualifications. Now, this is actually very disturbing. If any member of the public was to call for precedence of one minority group over another, or any demographic for that matter, over another, it would be considered racist or discriminatory in some form or another. And actually could be considered, under the remit of hate crime, something that could be prosecuted for. Now, we have now in this country public figures seeking and publicly calling for preference of ethnic minorities over white applicants. It's appalling. It's absolutely appalling. Now, my take on any area of life is this. Everybody is and should be treated equally and fairly based on merit. And we should not have calls like this simply being made to fulfil quota criterias. It is completely unacceptable. And this is the sort of public call that actually furthers divides between people and causes resentment and actually harms relations across the board. Well, what are we going to do? Because there is something like about 20,000 officers that need to be recruited across the UK by 2023. Now, doesn't it all depend on how many people of an ethnic minority actually apply? Absolutely. Well, the question is, I mean, what do you do? Do you do what the Navy did hundreds of years ago and round people up after the, they've left the pub and, and drunk and, you know, force them to join? And what, what do you do? <laughs> press gang. Uh, press, press gang, gang people press, into becoming police officers. It's absolutely ludicrous, <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, people choose a career path, whichever that is. Well, yes. And they could be a burglar. And the policeman catches them at the end of the night and said, right, you've got a choice. You're either going to be nicked or you become a policeman. <laughs> I joke, I jest, but you know, what are you going to do? This is complete nonsense, and to be quite honest with you, I'm going to call publicly that this 
Met Police Chief should be fully investigated for this. Yeah, well, properly. The, the force at the moment is already made up of about 18% black and ethnic minority officers, but wants to increase that to 40%. Now, as you say, are they going to press gang them into doing it? How are they going to do it? Can I bring in the gazelle? Go ahead, Trevor. Thanks, Jonathan. I mean, th- this has been going on for years, this, and, uh, and, and oh, I don't want to go on about it again, but Labour, they're, they're absolutely uh, famous for this. All women shortlists, all black shortlists, all people with red or green hair who say, ah, the shortlists. You know, <laughs> for me, it's, just, it's, it's whoever has the qualification. For the job. It's for the job. It's simple. You don't need a shortlist. The problem with this, gentlemen, is actually non-existent because we have laws in place, discriminatory laws, we have uh, equality laws, we have hate laws, and we have everything in place to ensure that people are treated equally and fairly, and quite rightly so. But at the end of the day, this is taking it to the other extreme, whereby... People, some people are being given preference over others. The actual police chief is making a calling for public discrimination by way of law. It's appalling. Like, like Trevor was saying, it's not the first time we've seen this, is it? I mean, the previous pr- police chief of Cheshire was on record, and I'm going to quote him, saying he took legal advice about breaking the law in an effort to hire more black officers. And he also wanted the change in law to recruit a black officer for every white officer. But in Cheshire, surely that, that would have had the opposite effect. Because in the Met, they want the police force to represent the populace. But if then you employ more black officers in Cheshire, it doesn't represent the populace, does it? He knew this, as he said, lack of diversity in, in the Cheshire population means the force were fishing in a small pond for potential recruits. Now, in my opinion, recruiting people based on their skin colour rather than ability to do the job is having a detrimental effect on the police. We've got police, police chiefs already complaining of not being able to recruit, to recruit new candidates because they're just not willing to do the job. They don't want to work the hours. They didn't like the violence. And there's a high turnover now with many officers leaving within two to three years. I just don't think... Is that is that right? I mean, they're leaving within two years. A lot of them are leaving. Wow. They, they just can't handle the hours and the, the violence. I'm not sure if they... They look at the job application before they talk it. Yeah, and I've been speaking to a friend of mine. She's um, a police officer. And she explained to me the other week um, the, the, the hours that they spend with paperwork. I know we've heard this before, but I'm actually getting this from a trusted person, you know. And she's, she's stating that she can go in on uh, when a case is overrun and basically not get out onto the beat whatsoever for maybe a day or two while they're chasing up paperwork and checking stuff which I know has to be done, but people get very frustrated by it because they join the police for, you know, a certain reason that they want to basically help people and make, make things better, you know, and then they're not getting the, the chance to get out on the streets as they, want, as they wish to do, a lot of them. Plus, like, like Mark said, just to endorse that, it's a very difficult job. You know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. No, I, you know, can, I, I mean, you, you've got to want to do that. Do you think people, when they join, are perhaps you know, surprised by the fact that um, the police, by and large, appear to be politicised to a large extent. And, you know, there's extensive 
political correctness and things like that. Do you think people are surprised by what they are asked sometimes to participate in? Yeah, certainly. There's definitely a side of that as well. Yeah, I forgot to mention that, the political side, because it's just continually just the changing the, 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 the rules, the methods daily, and people are just frustrated with it. And like, like Mark said again, you're only looking over a three- to four-year period and people are just uh, reconsidering the careers. I mean, they're already having recruitment drives from non-white officers. So by the sound of it, something's not working, is it? Now, well, that's called positive discrimination, isn't it? Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but exactly. if, you, if, you, if you add the word positive before a word like discrimination, it doesn't change a thing. It, it's not fooling anyone. It's still under the, our law is a crime. Now, when you think about it, the box tickers are effectively discriminating against people who they categorise as white people in favour of people they refer to as ethnic minorities because they don't believe these minorities are good enough to get the job on their own merit. That's just racist as hell to me. I'm sorry. These people who are obsessed with race, they need to be removed. They become a liability. And I think priorities need to be put in order over this box-ticking insanity. It's just got to go. All right, does anybody else want to have any comments on that? Okay, Mark, can you finish off that part of the conversation, please? Go ahead. Well, as I say, I think these people need to go. I see, while these idiots are obsessing over race, there's literally a constant flow of you've got officers committing crimes, you've got officers not being punished to the equivalent of the rest of society. People, as we say, are too frightened and won't work the hours. And now we've got regular sword fights going on in the streets of our country. I just think the whole thing's gone soft, and this is probably why places like London are out of control. Are we tiptoe around criminals and children? Don't punish them, don't shout at them. I think we need consequences, not luxury prisons with landscape views. And we need decent cops, not box tickers. And most importantly, I think we need accountability. I want to finish on a very final point on this, if I may, which is a a little bit of a sideline issue, but Mark mentioned there, prisoners, are we going soft on prisoners? I read an article recently, this past week, whereby... A new super prison had been built to the cost of £253 million with very scenic grounds overlooking a river, open prison with no bars, lovely clean hygienic warm rooms with lovely soft furnishings for prisoners. I'm just going to make a quick point on this, which is I'd like to see our veterans who've come out of the services and served this country given priority first and given that kind of treatment over and above criminals. Okay, I get it, I get it. Right, okay, we're going to move on, and we're going to cover a few local issues, and I know that Trevor has got some things that he wants to say, but the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read out an email from Councillor Louise Kittens, which came into the programme. Now, I think as you all know that um, I invited her, Councillor Garn, to come onto the programme. I also copied that email through to Councillor Gittens, the leader of the council, and very polite. She said, um, to the editor of Cheshire Matters, your comments have been noted. Perhaps if Councillor Garn knew who she was speaking to, it would be helpful. Good luck with your endeavours. Best wishes, Louise. Mm. Oh, now, oh, isn't that nice? Oh, beautiful, yeah. Yeah, isn't that lovely? Was there anything else, like a smiley face or anything like that? Oh, there was a smiley face on there. Yeah, there was a smiley face. Okay, so um, you're quite right there. And that's from a counsellor. Yeah. That's very professional. (laughs) What I want to say is this. Now, on the podcast, it has everybody named on there. And I thought, and I was under the impression, that Councillor Gittens knew that I was the editor, you know, of the podcast. 
So I feel that's a little bit strange, really. So um, I'm going to renew the invitation to Councillor Garn to come onto the programme. And so Councillor Garn um, and Councillor Gittins, my name is Jonathan Starkey. I'm the editor of Cheshire Matters. The stats man is called Mr. Mark Hartley. Mr. Stephen Ingram is another panellist. And the gazelle is Mr. Trevor Nichols. Now, you have the names. We would like to invite Councillor Garn on and any other councillor that's got something to state if we have some questions to ask. Steve, go ahead. I'd just like to say, as we have all stated, we will work professionally, pleasantly and cordially with anybody who wishes to do so. Well, this isn't looking too good, is it? So she doesn't want to communicate. So does that mean you're not going to be sending Louise a picture of your massive crack, Steve? Well, actually, <laughs> to be quite... Well, you came across a massive crack on your travels, didn't you? It's a very serious matter, actually. I um, filmed this huge, gigantic crack. I was going for a cycle ride along the River Dee at the back of the um, race course and approaching the Grosvenor Bridge. And there is the main arch across the river. Next to it, you go through uh, a rather large arch to, on, the, on the cycle walkway. And by pure chance, I happened to notice this, this gap, this crack running up one wall. And I followed it right up and it goes right across the top and right down the other side. I filmed it and I've sent it to our group here. And, you know, I think this needs to be forwarded to Councillor Louise Gittens. This is a main arterial route into Chester over the river. And the bridge has a very severe structural crack. Well, so there we have it. There we have it. Now, I, I know that Trevor has got something to state on, on local. But just before you come in, Trevor... Mark, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to talk about this lack of accountability again. It's becoming a problem in society, isn't it? I mean, no, no wonder many of our youth are out of control and they're having sword fights in the street. When those in power are not held accountable for their actions. Now, I think councillors who refuse to engage with the public and same for MPs who take months to reply. When, when they do, they just copy and paste party memos and government petition websites, right? I think they should be removed from their positions, you know, or at, at the very least put back up for re-election. Okay, I get it. Steve? As Mark states, this is very, very serious, and I've given a lot of thought to this. Given the fact that public officials, elected representatives, when they become elected, they take on board all sorts of issues. Now, some of them can be you know, quite mundane to do with roads and paths and bus stops and all kinds of stuff like that, which do matter to people, but then you get onto the other issues. Because legally, as councillors and council leaders and officers, etc., they have legal duty of care to people in our communities. And that can include elderly people, young people, children, people with disabilities, all kinds of people who have exceptional needs for various reasons. And if anybody was to con you know, contact a councillor regarding a very serious matter and that email went unread and not dealt with you can have some very serious matters going unaddressed councillors or any representatives in public office not responding to communications at all is quite frankly 
a disgrace and a failure of office. Well, I, I, I know. I was, I was a councillor once, and I do understand what it's like, and you have to stay on top of it. Now, sometimes if you know that somebody isn't going to um, come on to do something or isn't going to answer something, then you have to question the validity of the position that they're in. And I agree with you. Um, but you also have to take into account mitigating circumstances if, you know, for example, they're getting married or there's been a death in the family. You know, there are different, you know... We fully take on board situations where there are, you know, difficulties um, where people in public office um, have the same problems that everybody else does. However, you know, let's face it, they take on board various serious positions of responsibility and they have to be met. Okay, I get it. Mark? What about having PTSD after you've been an MP for a few months? Is that a good excuse? (laughs) (laughs) Ask him for a Labour MP, that's all. All right, okay, okay, I get it. Right, well, let's move on to something else local, um, which is going to be taken by the Gazelle. Go ahead, Trevor. Yes, thanks, Jonathan. Um, It is, well, I've put it down as a local issue. Um, It's a police appeal, actually. We don't normally do something like this, but um, what's happened? The police from Lincolnshire have put out an appeal for a young lady that's gone missing. Um, And I put it down as a local issue because she's actually been spotted in Warrington. So I'll just read out what the appeal is. Um, The police appeal is Tyler Mosley, I think her name is, Tyler Mosley, reported missing from home. The police are appealing for any information from members of the public after a 15-year-old girl was reported missing from home. Tyler Mosley was last seen around 9.30am on Tuesday the 1st of June. Now, as a state, the youngster is from the Lincolnshire area. Now, this is important for our listeners because I know we have a lot of listeners around the Warrington area. Yeah, so this young lady was sighted at Junction 8 of the M62. Now, for people that know the area, that's the Burtonwood Services. Now, this was roughly at 5pm on the same day. And it is thought that she may have travelled onwards to the Merseyside area, so it's worth keeping a lookout. Now, she's described as being 5 foot 5, with dark shoulder-length hair and a stocky build. And she was wearing black sketcher trainers, black tights, a short black skirt and a black T-shirt with a print on the front. I mean, that's quite distinctive, um, so hopefully somebody will spot her. Now, the police are looking anybody who was in the Burtonwood services around 5pm on that day. That's Tuesday the 1st of, of June, that. Okay. Um, she was missing from 9.30 and she was spotted at 5pm at, at on the same day around Burtonwood services. And police are asking if any motorists may have desk cam footage or any information if they've seen her. Uh, and if they have, they're asked to contact the Lincolnshire Police quoting incident 465 of June the 1st. So that's incident 465 of June the 1st, and that's the Lincolnshire Police. Okay. So let's and hope she gets found safe and well. Well, and also, they, they can call Cheshire Police as well if they, if they had they any information yes, about that. Yes, they can. They can, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Okay, well... Um, unless anybody else has got anything else local that they want to speak about. Oh, oh, okay, Steve, go ahead. I'd just like to point out there's an article appeared uh, this week and there's a, a, a waste review going on with Cheshire West and Chester Council. 
and I believe included in this review and proposal there is a um, uh, an idea being put forward to um, charge Cheshire West and Chester Council taxpayers an additional £40 a year, I believe, for garden waste collections. What for? Collecting the garden waste. Yeah, but they're supposed to do that out of the council tax anyway. Well, now it looks as though it's being proposed as an additional cost. Trevor, go ahead. And where is that? In Chester? Cheshire West and Chester Council across the region, yes. We, we've had that for four years. Really? In Warrington. We've had it for four years. It started off at, I think it was £20. And it's progressed now to about £35, £40. So that's on top of the council tax that you pay? That's on top of the council tax that you pay. And I was actually chatting to a fellow the other day at one of the local um, the tips that we have, the refuge tips, and he told me that he actually worked on that green section. And the reason that they charged that was paying his wages because he worked from, uh, when was it, March to December. And then he was laid off for two to three months. Because they actually stopped paying the rent, the, not the rent, the service charge on the green bins. So they laid him off for three months. And so to say that again, they, they actually stopped paying? No, no. What happened is it only runs, obviously because it's green waste, it only runs, I think, from November. Um, it runs, sorry, from February to November. Right, okay. And he used to work on the green refuge section. And then when he'd finished, around about November, they laid him off then for a three-month period until they started collecting the waste again. My concern with this is the fact that we are seeing what is initially a start of a process whereby we could see additional bolt-on charges to services for the area. Now, That's exactly what it looks like to me. Well, that's exactly what it is. Now, the fact of the matter is, where does this end? I'll just take the opportunity to point out and remind people that this is happening in Cheshire West and Chester Council, which is labour controlled. And the council tax has been going up year on year and it's escalating. And now on top of that, they're wanting to add on bolt on charges further still. Are there more people making waves about this? I mean, surely the Conservatives have said something. I believe they've put something out on social media at the moment, so I'm going to check that out this week and, and see what's going on. Um, the Liberals? Are, are they still around? <laughs> Just remind us again who they are. <laughs> the Liberal Democrats. Oh, those Liberals, right. Can I just get a political reference book out and look that up, please? Okay, but what about the Green Party? Have they said yes to that? To the extra charges? I've no idea. They will have done. Do you reckon? Yeah. Well, we, we need to get some. Uh, we need to get a quote from the Greens around here. Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah. Well, I wish you well because uh, we've complained in Warrington for year on on year before it happened, and uh, again, they just went ahead and did it. They just implement it, and if okay. you don't pay your, you actually get stickers on your bins. You have a coded sticker that goes onto your green bin. Which means you paid. Which means you've paid. And if there is no green sticker on that bin, it does not get emptied. Oh, being pointed out again. I know that's something that Captain Courageous doesn't like, but anyway. I mean, I, I don't really don't want to admit things on the air, as you wouldn't, but I mean, I just put mine in a green bin that's got a sticker on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, don't, and, and I hope you can edit that little section out there. <laughs> Don't we don't think you'd do that. You're not that wild. No, you know, no, no, no. not a walk on the wild side. It would no, be good no, if you did. Go ahead, Mark. Is it any wonder people fly tip? 
Yeah. Come yes. on, £40. Pounds. Yes, yes, yes. I suppose someone's got to pay for all Cheshire West, new fancy environmentally friendly bin lorries, haven't they, sir? Well, indeed. Right, well, I'm going to wrap up that part of the local conversation and we're going to move on to Woke on the Wild Side. Now, I'm not sure how much, you know, we're going to get out of this, okay? But I'll just explain a few things about what's going on. Now, this is the Vice Chancellor of Cambridge who admits publishing a list of microaggressions was a mistake after a revolt by lecturers terrified of being reported for rolling their eyes and calling women girls. Now, the first time I saw this was from, from the mail, and I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding. A list of microaggressions? I mean, what the heck is all that about? And he put together uh, a report and support site so it could be used to report the inappropriate behavior. And it would have allowed anonymous reports to be filed on microaggressions. And it was just, I mean, what is all that about, you know? Go ahead, Steve. Does it give some examples of this sort of thing these, this, on this list about what people can be reported for in terms of mi microaggressions? Yeah, if, for example, okay, you could report on a professor's supposed wrongdoing which could include raising an eyebrow or turning their back on students. I, you know, I mean, what kind, of, what kind of wokeness is this? And especially, you know, from this university. And, you know, I, I, they admit that they, they think he's got it wrong and he thinks he's got it wrong. And they just, you know, people have said, look, this, this anonymous reporting measure is a threat to traditions of free speech. That's what it is. And you know, oh, here we go. Here we go. He's there. Go ahead. Does this mean people actually need to seek an email permission to raise their eyebrows and such? Well, I, I just think the whole, the whole attitude of people in education, I mean, they think that they can just do whatever they want, implement these things, they instill these things, and they've been caught out, and they've been caught out really badly. And it's um, Professor Troop. Oh, sorry, Professor Troop. I was thinking, that's you getting me on this patriotic bit. It's, his name is Professor Toop. Explained that some of these definitions and examples went beyond the policies discussed and agreed by colleagues before the site's launch. Go ahead, Steve. I would use a phrase to describe this. Go ahead. Bullshit. Yes. Do you know, isn't that a... That expression, you know, that's, it's such a great word, isn't it? I like that word. It's now so commonplace that it's very difficult for anybody to take any form of offence over it. Well, to be quite honest with you, we, we appear to be in a world now whereby people take issue over lots of nonsense things, to be quite honest with you, and they seem to run amok um, in expressing their protestations over this sort of thing. Well, go ahead, Mark, before I finish this one off, go ahead. I just think they're all cuckoo, to be honest. I tell you, can you give me that list of aggressions? I'll give it to me doorman and see how they get on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got normal aggressions to deal with. So. Oh God, well, can you imagine, you know, any any lady taking offence, you know, at these things about rolling your eyes up or saying the word bullshit? As far as I'm concerned, you know, that's just like sort of regular thing. I mean, some of these people, if they worked in a real pub, they'd have to deal with a lot worse than that, wouldn't they, Mr. Hartley? Yes, you haven't upset anyone, have you, boy? Oh, I don't know. Saying that, them words. No, I think, no, well, the, the, the mm. you know, no, 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 not at all. I don't, I, I don't think I've upset anybody, to be honest with you. It's just not in your nature, is it? No, not at all, not at all. Yeah. 
but more about some of those things in another subject next week. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that is my woke on the wild side, and it is to do with the vice chancellor of Cambridge and microaggressions. And we're going to be moving on now to Mr. Hartley, who's got the public figure of the week. Go ahead, Mr. Hartley. I certainly have. This week, I think I'm going to give public figure to a man, the man called Tony Eastlake, who was the flower seller who was reportedly stabbed while trying to prevent a mugging in London. Tony, 55, was stabbed near the stall he'd worked on since he was 14. Now, it's such a shame. I probably devastated. The community are devastated. But it's just another example of the mess we're in, isn't it? But I think as long as we still got brave people like Tony, there's probably still a little bit of hope. Go ahead, Trevor. I totally agree, Mark. And I think the really sad, the, the sad thing about this is that it, it happened on a, a Saturday afternoon um, with just a normal bloke going about his normal business on a Saturday afternoon in broad daylight. That That's that's just shocking. Yes, yeah, it's, it's bad. I agree with shocking. that public figure of the week, Mark. So I agree. Me. Well, we've come to that part of the show now where we're going to talk about shout outs and shout downs and... Well, uh, it could be another form of a statement from Mr. Trevor Nichols. We don't know what it might be because he is the curveball, you know, within this show. He always comes out with certain things like Hoover Eats. No, I've, got, I've got another sorts of things that's worrying me at the minute. Okay, um, go ahead. It's not so much worrying me. Like, again, I don't know quite where to fit it in. It's uh, it's magpies. <laughs> <laughs> right? How? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the man or woman who, who wrote the magpie verse, they, they, they must have been sadistic. You know you know the one I'm on about, don't you? Yeah. One for sorrow, two for joy. Yeah. Four for the boy. That's yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Well, so when I'm driving to the daughters across all the open fields, I see it, that magpie. And that sets my day. Just to ruin then. One for sorrow. Now, what he or she, who wrote it, what they didn't tell you, is the fact that the uh, magpies are territorial. Okay. So you only see the one. So I spend the rest of the day looking for joy. <laughs> Number two. So it ruins my day, basically. So how sadistic is that? And that just came to me while I was driving to the daughters the other day. So so is it, so your shout-down is for the magpie? No, no, I've got another shout-down. Okay. Now, <laughs> I, I very rarely have a shout-down, which I'll bring in in the shout-down, shout-down section. Well, we're, we are in the shout-down period. Oh, I'm going to go straight on to it then. Uh, go ahead. It's actually... Do <laughs> you know what he's doing? It's, he, he, no, wanted, no, he wanted a bigger, bigger chunk of the show this yeah, week, so go on, you've what, got it. What's actually happening is... Um, <laughs> yeah, some of these, these things, my observations, don't quite fall into our categories, so I have to start and throw them in somewhere. We so, had noticed. You, have, but, uh, <laughs> you haven't made up category. Yeah, I have, a, I have a few. I've got a few, actually, but I don't want to you know, go into that because I might get muted like Steve. <laughs> So I've actually got a double shout down this week. Okay. And it's to Piers Morgan okay. and, and Kia Starmer oh, for, for yeah, probably the most boring, super hyped programme ever. It was a revolution of bore. Yep, I go with that. I couldn't get to the end of it. I struggled. Okay, I go with that. Mark? I couldn't even bother, be bothered watching it because no, I knew that was oh, going to happen. Same here. <laughs> Nor me. Atrocious. Nor me. Okay, oh, so lucky, Trev. have you got another four or five shout-downs, Trevor, or shall we leave it at that? I've got loads, but I'll just, I'll go and I'll leave a quote till the end. That's okay, that's all right. Out. Okay. Mr. Statsman, what's your, what's your shout-down or shout-up or shout-out? Oh, it's always a shout-down, isn't it, with me? Go ahead, sir. Uh, this week, it's going to have to be for Batley Grammar School and Batley Multi-Academy Trust. Now, as well as your shout-down, it's a, a 
bit of an update about some an ongoing issue we've discussed. Uh, the teacher who ended up in hiding for showing a cartoon has been reinstated, but this isn't a victory. He's apparently still in hiding, and it's believed he won't return. Now, although he's been reinstated, the school have implemented Sharia, and rather than enforce our laws, they have put measures in place to basically make sure it doesn't happen again. So mob justice won, just like it did with the Derek Chauvin case in America, and our laws and customs have been totally overruled by fear. What the a hell disgrace, is going on in this an country? absolute disgrace. disgrace. Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. It's your shout-out, shout-down. What have you got? Well, this week... I really do normally like to do a shout-out and keep it positive, so occasionally I do have a shout-down, which is what I have this week. And my shout-down is to the 1.8-metre garden chimney that I purchased from a retail store this week. Okay. Have you ever tried assembling one? (laughs) All I'm going to say is I'm glad the people who made it don't build ships because none of the rivets would line up. Mark, what's he on about? It's <laughs> <laughs> a chimney for the top of his, his house, isn't it? Chimney. A garden chimney. You know what a chimney is? I wouldn't be asking of anyone. We're very nice. cosmopolitan in our house. We've got a garden chimney now. It's not fully assembled because of the. Because you can't drop. do it. Well, I can <laughs> do, you want, do, it. do you want a hand? <laughs> no, he needs another, another pair of hands. He I, needs another I pair of hands. I could actually say which store I bought it from, but I think other people should endure the same heartache trying to put it together. <laughs> okay, I'll Google it later. I still don't know what it is, but yeah. Right, well, um, I've got a shout out, and that is for Vivaldi. I've been listening to Vivaldi again and the Four Seasons. Oh, fabulous. Oh, I'm a fan oh, of that. just fantastic. I mean, I love the music from that period. And so, just to remind everybody in the public, Vivaldi, Italian composer. Oh, what Frankie huh? Valli did that. <laughs> 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 this guy was a lot loved before um, Frankie Valli, oh, I can assure right, you. Right. I'll, find a, I'll find a little snippet now and I'll slip it in now so everybody knows. I like okay? The Planets by Holstach, so that's fabulous. That's another Gustav Holt, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a little bit of a shout out there, but... Vivaldi. I've gone for Vivaldi this one. Okay, right. Well, you do know what time it is. It is last orders. Anybody coming to the bar? Anybody going to bring anything? No, Steve's no, no. Round. Steve's round, yeah. yeah. That's I've, rude. I've left me wallet at home. God, he's a bit overweight, but I wouldn't call him round. <laughs> That's very rude. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, well, we're on to the outro, and it's positive for quotes. Steve, again... I promise you, I will mute you. No, I promise you, I won't mute you. (laughs) We'll put the music on. So bring it in, Steve. I'm going to put some music on for you. Here you go. Are you ready, son? Here we go. Go ahead. All I'm going to say this week is enjoy your time. Have a great weekend. Don't make mountains out of molehills and just be good to people. Okay. Mr. Mr. Statsman, what's yours, sir? Well, I'm going to do a quote. Normally, it's been a, it's been a quite long one the last couple of weeks, so I'll keep it short. It's by William O. Douglas, and it's this. Common sense often makes good law. Okay. And the gazelle. Go ahead, Mr. Nichols. What is it? Yes, it's uh, life is like a camera. Just focus on what's important. I like that. That's it. That's, uh, and there's nothing more importanter than being <laughs> important. <laughs> Well, as always, it's my saying, thank God that's all over. And I know we're going to have some great news next week. It's going to be very exciting for podcasts. So anyway, goodbye, everybody. Say good night. Good night. Good night, Cheshire. Good night, everybody in Cheshire. Well, 
he got past no one muting him. Nobody could get to the button. I'm going to mute myself. Time. Yeah, I'm going to mute myself, says he, lying. Now, you just raise your eyebrows there, sir. I, I, I think I did, actually. Yeah. I was uh, raising it as him. Are you going to put something on the website about that? About what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Nothing happened. I, I'm not doing any more. I'm not getting paid for this.